This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite Live, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to All Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. I may be. And folks, this is... Now, we did the show live once before, right? But this is... uh, We're going to be live going forward. Uh, We're going to be doing this show right after Dynamite. So if you're not listening to this live, make sure you're joining us right after Dynamite. Uh, Yeah, I'm Aaron. Joined, as always, by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Aaron Mike Spears. I'm doing pretty well, you know? I caught a second wind of energy during this tonight's Dynamite, and it's kind of funny. AB, change up the wardrobe. It, it's late night comfy night. It looks like that you would fit pretty well with a good set of John Moxley joggers if they were so on sale. Absolutely. I got this uh, very sick sweatshirt that has... Um... Can you see that? It's got like no furry stuff inside it. Yeah, you guys with me? No, I, I respect that. I mean, my my sweatshirt—it's warm. I mean, my sweatshirt—if you could see—has the furry stuff on the outside. So, well, kind of a but on the inside, it keeps me warm. Yeah, kind of a Kaho uh, Kobayashi, like her entrance jacket. Mm. Do you, do, do you the like the random decision? I was gonna say, do you like the random Joshi I just pull out of nowhere on you that you never expect me to know who Kaho is, but I watch CMLL. I, I really do. Um, the big decision for tonight was not the sweatshirt. It was, do I take Zequel before we start recording and risk uh, starting to fall asleep toward the end of the show, or do I just uh, betray by my love of sleeping? Uh, for later so we'll find out uh we're also joined of course by nate aka epitasis uh nate do you use any uh sleeping uh enhancements what's the word i'm looking for uh i do i I don't do z quill i just go straight for the hard stuff and drink straight up my quill um pretty pretty regular standby for me in the in the winter months here um so what did you decide did you decide to, to take it and fall asleep on us or no no, I've decided not to take it uh, so that I could be energetic for this full episode, but uh, no promises going forward. That seems like uh, the right move for our listeners. Of course, we want to have you at your, at your what is it, 10 p.m. best there. Um, so we'll yes. see how that shakes out. I, I, off the top of the show, feel like this is the right move so I don't have to go and, you know, work for... How many hours do I work? Eight hours and then come home and try and sound exciting, excited about a TV show from two days ago? Yes, that's a great point. Erin uh, Quinn is in the chat and, and she says she didn't watch the show. No spoilers, please. So if everybody <laughs> well, could that, respect that's, that. That's, that's a reasonable it. request. I think that's fair. <laughs> she made her, uh, her, her wishes known right off the top here. So I think it'd be rude of us to ignore her. So spoiler-free review of Dynamite coming at you. <laughs> Absolutely, for sure. Uh, so if you actually, for this week, if you want to know the results, follow us on Twitter. We're at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Uh, Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, ya. subscribe to the podcast. 
Uh, this show is going to be coming out earlier. We hope now that it'll be coming out on Thursdays now that we're recording late on Wednesday nights. So uh, make sure you subscribe. You'll get those as soon as they come out. You'll have them ready Thursday morning when you're driving to work. Does anybody drive to work anymore? I don't know. Uh, if you use the Apple Podcast app, give us a five-star rating and review. And please, of course, subscribe to patreon.com slash everything elite. It's the best way to support the show. And uh, this week, our show is live for all Patreon subscribers. But going forward uh, on the $8 tier, that will get you exclusive, exclusive access to uh, the live show each week. Also, very exciting, exclusive access to a green title in the Discord. Yes, you will be on the green team if you uh, if you subscribe to the $8 tier. Very important. People are very excited about it. Um, the, the, green, the green team may be a little, uh, they have a little bit of an air of superiority, I feel like. You see them, uh, I guess I would call it class solidarity. The green team's always boosting up the green team. Um, so maybe maybe we need to bring them down to peg also. Uh, it's a real tension there. Nate, buddy, these are our, our most loyal patrons, so <laughs> like I would, just, I'd be just, careful there. Just being honest about their uh, their conduct in the Discord. Uh, oh. I'm not going to sugarcoat things. They know who, who they are. I uh, <laughs> I disavow Nate's comments. I'd just like to be clear. On behalf of Aaron, I reavow my, my comments. <laughs> All right. Well, I had fun watching the show. Uh, I know Mike did. I haven't seen as many of your comments yet, Nate, so I'm interested to uh, to see where we go. We'll get it started with Elite or Delete. And uh, Nate, as is customary, what was your favorite thing from the show tonight? My favorite thing from the show, probably the easy answer, probably the chalk answer. Uh, I think the main event was a lot of fun and the novelty of the dun-dun-dun opening of the Forbidden Door and having a New Japan guy there, having Excalibur put over the fact, oh, there's a New Japan guy in this match, uh, having the music and the Titantron, having all those elements, and then... <laughs> using them all to do a big, wide-ranging clusterfuck of a match uh, where they fought all over Daly's place uh, was just a lot of fun to watch. It was, maybe maybe it wasn't like my ideal version of this match because uh, it was like they had, uh, they, they were just pretty cute about it, right? Like they had, a, they had their little potato spot and they had uh, their goofy you know, little character moments where Kent and Omega aren't getting along and they're, you know, uh, doing all these sort of uh, moves in tandem or, or moves crisscrossing with each other and stuff like that. Uh, it wasn't exactly like a knockdown, drag out, bloody war or something like that. It was, you know, closer to like, a, 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 I guess, a fun little jaunt of a Falls Count Anywhere match. But it was a lot of fun and I enjoyed that. And it was fun and novel seeing a guy like Kenta on AEW just for... You know, just for the novelty of this match or, you know, uh, the little few-week program that they seem to be doing here. Yeah, and it, it's something where he did not have to go all out. But Kenta hit a gosh darn double stomp running off the stage through the... Well, it was not through the announcer table. The announcer table did not break, but onto someone on the announcer table. That was like a clear long jump there. Yeah, you'd think he's Bob Bauman out there with that. But it was sick. I... It, it, it was really cool how this match and like the overall feeling of something special was happening with it. And in a lot of ways, I know that it, it's something that they've had to go to a lot of times for COVID and then reacting to COVID and you're, it's easier to, you, you could use the arena more so, but 
it, it feels like that they've made this false count anywhere anything goes match kind of like a house specialty and i think that that's really awesome as well and of course as Thoros has said that the fact that we got Frank, we got Fang Revive as the theme for Kenta. Kenta coming out, just looking, and it's something that whenever I see Kenta, I'm immediately taken back. One of my favorite matches of all time, uh, Kenta versus Ricky Marvin, the best ever two and a half minute match ever. <laughs> so like whenever like whenever it's like that, Kenta coming out there, it just pops me every time, and it's just a blast. And I mean, Lance Archer, like that's a guy who really was like showing out tonight. Like I know like the big things off the press was that uh kenta's here but lance archer might be my mvp of that match he just rocked all throughout it it was a great time yeah lance archer uh i thought stood out uh, as well uh he doesn't i don't know like like even moxley's like a little a little cute and a little goofy in this setup but lance archer doesn't have that same problem like he just comes across as a killer most of the time i will say like lance archer is also in his 40s, had like a broken back that was surgically repaired and this stuff. He does like, he moves better than Kenta, if we're being honest. Like Kenta, Kenta was like the, you know, the, the novelty of this match. Uh, he can, he still goes out and has a lot of good matches at this point in his career. Like having a late career revival, probably, you know, the top 10 wrestling tweeter, which is very important. Uh, but he does like Lance Archer, who is twice his size and, you know, uh, well, maybe they're about the same age. Uh, does move like considerably better than he does. Because I don't really watch New Japan, I forget that people probably just see this video with some regularity. But when Fang revives popped up on the screen, it just blew me away all over again. Uh, but nobody else seemed as excited as I did. So I guess it's become common to them. But yeah, it was fun seeing Kenta on AEW. It's just very bizarre. Um, I wondered if he's thought about the fact, you know, that he's like opposing NXT, which I just assume he hates. You know, I just assume he has a real vitriol toward NXT. So I, I feel I feel pretty confident in saying that he's he's checking out that rating number like the Good Brothers are. The Good Brothers <laughs> now fighting this rating war on behalf of the promotion they don't really work for. <laughs> yes, very good. Uh, all right, well. Uh, good pick. Kenta was great. Uh, Mike, what's your elite pick for this week? So I talked about this a little bit on Dark, but Lee Johnson, like they made such a big deal of him on Road 2 talking about like the, the big quote that like resonated with me is if I can't do this with Cody, am I ever going to be able to do it? And he got a really awesome interview there. I had a great I, I, I love Road 2. I think everyone knows how much I enjoy that kind of content. And then picking up on that in this match that, I mean, really was made to highlight Lee Johnson. I mean, he had the crazy Torneo senton to the outside, he had, which he had to deal with someone doing, like, one of the worst catches I've seen and basically powerbombing him to the ring mat or the uh, ringside floor and then getting the win there. I like the fact that it was kind of like a roll-up pin because it does get, like, the air of desperation and, like, you can see, like, it worked for him. He was successful with that. And it really rocked. And then just, uh, he he's not, he's someone that I know, like, everyone calls him, like, Sting and Sting. Everyone's like, oh, Darby's Sting. But I had this idea in the Discord. Darby is Sting. And Lee Johnson is the franchise. That's what, that's my idea I'm throwing out there. But I love what they've done with this. And if you're someone who watches Dark constantly, you, you have seen how much of a great talent Lee Johnson is. And it's great to see that now he's going to be a named commodity going forward. And I'm really excited to see where it goes. Because, Y'all know how much I love prospects and I love wrestling and like elevation and developing wrestlers. So this is right in my wheelhouse. So that was my big takeaway from tonight. 
Look, I think you cannot have enough stings. Uh, WCW was the top promotion in the world when they would have like 60 stings in the ring at the same time. So if Lee Johnson is sting and Darby Allen is also sting, that's just better for AEW. You should have as many stings on the roster as possible. Plus they have the actual sting. Uh, I think sting should maybe have multiple personas uh, in this promotion, much like Cody does on the Sammy Guevara vlog. We should get sting as we have him now. The winter is coming cold Iceman Sting. We should get the Insane Icon Sting back. Uh, probably Surfer Sting. Just as many stings as possible is good. Uh, if we're Since I compared wrestlers in the same match uh, when talking about the main event, um, and I got some traction on this tweet, so I'm just going to break it out on the show as well. I feel like they put Lee Johnson in this match opposite uh, Cesar Bononi uh, to intentionally draw comparisons between the Nightmare Factory student and the WWE Performance Center student uh, to great effect. Um, because, yeah, you know, Cesar was just like a, a, a step different or a step off than the other three guys in the match. Uh, but, yeah, very, very successful match as far as, you know, making you want to root for, for Lee Johnson and then making you cheer when he got the win and got the contract and got his arm raised. Uh, and, yeah, that, that, that corkscrew dive, I guess it was, was very cool. Yeah, I think most uh, matches on Dark, I kind of just – uh, posting the discord a little bit kind of watch them you know unless it's something i'm particularly interested in and so uh benoni i kind of been like oh maybe there's something with this guy like maybe he's maybe he's a guy and uh I, obviously i was clued in or keyed into this match since it was on dynamite i was like oh no this he's this is not a guy this is definitely not a guy like you just very obviously uh looked out of place compared to uh the other three guys but yeah lee johnson looked great um, it's kind of felt like a, a very slow burn with Lee Johnson, but you know, maybe for the best. And now they found a way to kind of fit him in. It looked like after the match, they're maybe starting a little program with him and QT perhaps. So, uh, yeah, there might be something cooking for big shoddy. It's exciting. You know, it's, I kind of like think that I want more table setting when they do something like this. Like they kind of do the same thing when they initially, uh, like, like made QT also it's like oh he's just Cody's tag partner he's just a random guy we're not gonna like you know introduce him on dynamite over weeks and be like oh here's the story leading up to this big match it's kind of like no we're just gonna do it we have him doing stuff on dark we have him on the road to doing the good promo then we're just gonna have we're just gonna make him the match and I it kind of just works like I I, I kind of think it's fine even though like my my internal inclination is to be like oh you know they should have had Lee Johnson in the background for weeks, getting these losses so we can see it, uh, you know, more clearly and explicitly coming across in this match. But like he just went and won, you know, just like QT and however many months back, just went and showed out in that match. Uh, and it, it worked. Now they're both guys. So, yeah. I, I think the thing about it is, and I think this is an issue with that, because I think Nate, you're right about they kind of decide to do things. And even though there might be some light, like light seating of stuff, they don't necessarily hit you over the head with it because it did feel like that a lot of the experience and I feel like a lot of satisfaction came out of that is seeing the road to thing and then seeing him on dark. And it's, it requires a lot of an investment that is not happening on TNT. And I think that that is something that you would hope that they would get better at because you would think that you would want to emphasize like Lee Johnson now is a guy but if you just watch Tune In for Dynamite and don't watch anything else, like, okay, who is this guy? I've seen him, like, lose a couple times now. He suddenly wins and is a thing. So it it, it is something that I've kind of noticed, though, 
it requires a level of investment that I think that it's good if you get that kind of investment, but I don't think you could you could think that your stereotypical viewer is going to be as just broken brain as I am and watch absolutely everything. Yeah, you're probably right. This is a week where I did happen to watch Road 2, so that probably made the Lee Johnson thing work better for me, and there have been weeks where I haven't seen the Road 2 for whatever reason, but uh, you know, it also enhanced the opening match. Um, they plugged in part of MJF's good promo from that into his his segment on this show, so yeah, it might, <laughs> really could just be, oh no, you watched Road 2, that's why this worked for you more than it might have otherwise. Well, speaking of uh, the opening match, uh, that's going to be my pick. That's my elite pick of the week. Uh, I thought it was something new as far as, you know, Joey Janela was the first person we saw on TV. Not sure that was wise, but uh, it was at least something uh, interesting, something different. Darby, though, I think, you know, is a big star. So it's uh, exciting to see uh, Darby there in the opening match. I thought I kind of expected it to be a little dumber, but I guess they were saving all the dumb spots for the uh, for the main event, which was fine. But I thought this was a lot of fun. Uh, there was much discussion in the Discord about whether these guys wrestled and Evolve, and folks, they did. Uh, and this was definitely better than that. And uh, I think Darby has just... Darby has reached uh, a form where he can have a good television match with Joey Janela now. So I mean, it's a real uh, feather in the cap of Darby Allen. Uh, shame on the Discord, because we did discuss their Evolve match. Was it last week's show, I think? Because that was, of course, the the show where myself and Oatgan guested and reviewed that match with you, Aaron. Uh, and that was yes. discussed. So, I, very I disappointed could... in the green team and everyone else. I did know that we had discussed it recently on a podcast, but we do a lot of them. So, I'm not sure which right. one it was. Uh, but yeah, it was really good. Um, the The kind of cheat for like... I feel like back in the old days of old wrestling and you'll, you'll have whatever like old timey GIF accounts will be like, oh, look at the little details he puts into this arm hook that makes it look super authentic and realistic. And the Darby and uh, Joey Janela version of that is like, no, let's just like legitimately dive at each other at super high speeds. <laughs> and then it just is real. And that makes it very easy to be authentic and realistic because we're just literally going to throw our bodies at each other and not really care if we hit the floor or whatever. Uh, and that, that kicks ass. <laughs> Probably... Definitely a theme to my uh, reviews of matches, which is how how unsafe and at what speeds are the dives, and that's how I decide if I like a match or not. And this had a uh, good high speed, and you know, not actually not actually unsafe, but approaching unsafe dives maybe. So it was good. Uh, also, the commentary was good on this and did a good job of putting guy both guys over and putting over. You know that they had a history, and uh, you know, Jr. seemed like he was especially high on Janella. Uh, this week, which is like not always the reaction you get from JR when you have, you know, the young talents out there who aren't like super conventional. So yeah, this was a, a, a very strong opener. I, I'm very glad to hear that Nate has come to the Spears house of loving just a bunch of cool moves, cool bumps, and people just colliding on each other as fast as possible, because that's what this match was. And it was great. I like the idea of having differentiating title belts and the idea that both these belts, like like it is that the world title is one and then the TNT title is 1A. But like the idea that Darby as champion it is kind of a high-speed match. And, you know, for someone like Joey Janela, being, he took like three shotgun dropkicks and did the John Woo bump as well as I've ever seen anyone take the John Woo bump backwards. And just was for exactly for what you'd want out of these two guys with outside of Plunder because Plunder was in the main event. 
they did exactly what you wanted to do to get people going on the show. And like, if you're not going to be going and having like a heavy work rate match, and I think this match did have work rate. This is a match that you just want to have crashing cars into each other. And I feel like that that worked really well. And, you know, it plays into Darby's character and it just came across really well. This was a match that I was worried about. And I was like, oh, we'll see what's up with Joey Janela here, but it, it overachieved. And I ended up, walking away from this match having a great time as I did for this episode. I had a great time this episode. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, our listeners also had a great time. Our listener elite uh, for this week is listener Uwu WFI. Uh, their elite pick, Sammy in the Nancy Benoit memorial shirt. Uh, have to agree. I was not aware of the, of the shirt until uh, Sammy wore it. Somebody dropped a link in the Discord, but very cool shirt. Six shirt. Uh, it's on Pro Wrestling Tees. It's like a Dark Side of the Ring collab, so I'm sure you can find it uh, on there if you're interested. Uh, let's move on to the stuff we didn't like. Frankly, not a ton of stuff I didn't like, but a few things I really didn't like. So, uh, Nate, what was your delete pick from this show? So, show was chock full of a lot of backstage segments, a lot of interviews, a lot of jumping from one segment right to the next segment, which... Uh, I think they they've maybe decided it's smart to do on these pre-taped shows because it you can kind of get away from not having the real crowd so much, and you can also more tightly edit things. Uh, you know, when you have this extra time to do backstage segments or whatever it is, uh, I'm going to partly steal Patrick Cosmos's delete here that he's mentioning in the chat, which is uh, the increasingly stupid or obvious or uh, called attention to excuses for having a camera in these backstage segments. They've done a few of these where it's like, okay, they made an excuse for why the camera's there. It's like MJF is going to go, uh, you know, console Santana about their recently deceased family members. But first he's going to grab a camera and said, Hey, cameraman, come with me, which like kind of doesn't make sense. You can kind of justify it. Like, Oh, MJF's a phony. He just wants to have this on TV. Like that kind of works, but it's also, is kind of, you know, kind of stretches credulity because they have been really explicit about, oh, we don't like when there are fake invisible cameras backstage. So we're always going to have an excuse for why the camera's there. So, yeah, I think the worst one was probably the one on this episode where Sam Guevara goes into the inner circle locker room, wants to confront MJF, tells everybody else in the inner circle to leave. They all walk out of the inner circle locker room. He says, cameraman, you stay. <laughs> Because he wants this to be recorded. And then MJF's plan is to get Sammy to say something bad about Chris Jericho and surreptitiously record it on his phone to use against him, even though we can see the entire full conversation is being recorded. And as Chris Jericho has repeatedly said in this promotion, we watch the TV show. We know what happens on the recording. So you can't fake your way around that, really. Like, they really wrote themselves into a corner with that with like, oh, we're going to do a fake recording, but also we've explicitly called attention to this real recording, which we previously said everyone watches. It just doesn't work at all. It totally falls apart. I think there maybe is a way to do this to make it work where Sammy just kicks the cameraman out too, and maybe we just get the sound from the other side of the door or something, and we get like, oh, we, we can hear the phone breaking against the wall, and we can hear MJF yelling about something, and we don't really know what happens. And then maybe we just get like surveillance footage next week or something. So at least we have the gap of time where there's like some intrigue and maybe we don't know if Sammy's lying about MJF or not, or don't know if MJF's lying. 
maybe that's a solution. But yeah, they really just wrote themselves into a corner with this whole thing where we have to justify the camera, but we're going to write angles that necessitate there not being a recording of what's happening. And it's something that I didn't think about that Jericho line, Nate, before you said it. Like, I was wondering, like, is he immediately going to come out and say, this is actually what happened. Screw you guys. I'm out. Which, I mean, he still said, screw you guys. I'm out. But I was, like, expecting that to happen. And why would you make such emphasis on having the cameraman there for that, for that instance? So, yeah, it's something where, like, they try to have it both ways. And I do think there's a balance that you can reach with having, like, the stand-up promos with Alex Marvez or Dasha and being able to... Uh, like shoot shoot a promo right down the barrel of the camera and you could have just backstage stuff or like attack stuff where like the cameraman runs and gets there so it's like an like the invisible cameraman there it's just something that like it kind of when you make such a big point about that it kind of rings hollow a little bit in a way and you kind of create a problem that doesn't need to be a problem it's a problem of your own making and i kind of came away with like that one part of the segment it's like you didn't really need to do that unless it's going to have that immediate payoff because people aren't going to remember really that wait sammy made sure the cameraman's here so we could see mjf being uh being sneaky we already know mjf sneaky so it, it, it it's something that kind of for everything else in this angle that i thought like was executed quite well especially sammy guevara in this it can it kind of came across going like just kind of made you like turn your head towards it and go like what's what's the deal with yeah, that it just it's just that they called so much attention to it like even even if you just had this scene, this exact this scene play out like in uh you know some dark hallway instead of in this locker room, and you had the cameraman like hiding from behind some boxes and he's sort of shooting around things so you can pretend that they don't know he's there, like at least then as a viewer you go, oh, okay, well I I you know I can rationalize that I can explain that away in my head, but instead they had people literally talk to the cameraman like, hey, this doesn't make any sense, but this is what we're gonna do. Yeah, that's what irritates me about it is like the whole point of saying we're not going to have the invisible cameraman was like we're not going to do WWE shit. That's what Tony Khan is saying when he says that. But what he does instead is does WWE shit but tries to justify why he's doing it. It's like, well, just don't do it. Th- those are your options. Like there's no reason why Sammy and MJF couldn't do like a backstage promo where they have this same conversation and Dosh is there in the middle of them or whatever. And MJF's thing can just be, I believe that this is what you're doing. And that's what I'm going to tell Chris Jericho. You know, like you can do right. the same angle without this goofiness. Yeah. Or just manipulate his words and try and put him in a new light. So it's like, yeah. oh, you're saying that you're saying that actually Chris is the problem. And you know, he's made a bad inner circle because I'm this bad influence or whatever. Like that works right. just as well as, oh, I want to do this, uh, you know, cheesy third act of a bad movie where the villain is secretly recorded or whatever just very silly choice well somebody pointed this out in the discord but it's just like obvious that this is a jericho idea and that's why it feels so wwe because it's like well that's yeah it's what he did for 25 years or whatever yeah for sure all right um mike what was what did you i know you had a good time but what did you not have such a good time during i mean that's the hard thing because even the stuff that usually kind of annoys me, like Nate hit the big one that kind of annoyed me. So I'm I'm thinking fast on my feet, and that's the other thing about doing this right after the show. I haven't had time to let the show sink in a little bit. Well, eh. Good news because I talked for like 
10 minutes. So. And I spent that 10 minutes trying to think <laughs> of this thing. And all right, I, I, I'm going to do something off the list here. Uh, I liked how Inner Circle, there was a clear beat in that storyline. Like we now have now the idea that Sammy's gone away. <laughs> And now we're Mike, we're doing things you don't like, buddy. Oh, I, I'm using this as a segue into what I didn't like. We had a... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Now I'm all frazzled and I lost my train of thought here. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, and y'all know, like, I, I think that storylines, you need to have these moments. And I think one of the issues, I think, with some of these angles as of late is that we haven't had the next step, the next beat. And then we have the Sting and Taz thing where they kind of are still doing the same thing. And I feel like that we kind of harp on it a little bit like i do think it's kind of funny that it, that they're like oh we're dragging darby allen in his uh coffin bag or body bag coffin bag what the fuck spears but <laughs> my his uh body bag i thought like that was like this but it still kind of feels like a big samey thing and it makes me wonder like how much like i was willing to give it a little bit more leeway because sting was always cool but now i'm like all right are we going to have like any sort of actual brawl or are they just going to be so kitty gloves with Sting's health that they're just not going to have like some confrontation because I feel like it needs that and instead it's just more of just Team Taz just kind of pestering and it's a shame because Team Taz is one of my favorite acts in the company. Ricky, y'all know how heavy how high I'm on Ricky Starks and it's just like oh man, the, it was really cool when y'all took out all the backstage, all like the merch people that one week but now you're kind of doing this and it just kind of felt a little deflating to me. Yeah um I guess it was a little funny that they set up, you know, the exact same segment that they've done six out of the last eight weeks or whatever. Uh, and then we're just like, yeah, we're not even going to get to it this time. We're just going to go straight to the, to the attack angle. That was a little funny. Um, I think so when Darby feuded with Ricky, did he put a Ricky mask on somebody and drag him around his, his property behind a truck or was that somebody else that he feuded with? No, it was Ricky. It, it, okay. They were on his property. So that, was, that, <laughs> that was a nice little callback, I thought, that they brought that back and, you know, got got a, got one up on him for doing that little stunt. But, yeah, they just they put this into a holding pattern, and then, I don't know, they, they don't want to go right to the match because they decided it wasn't hot enough because they were in a holding pattern for four weeks or whatever. It does – they do benefit just from, like, doing any other locations, like doing the – doing the church promo with Darby and, and sting was like the highlight of this build at this point. Uh, and this, this being in the parking lot was like, okay, at least it's not in the ring again. Um, but yeah, I just, it, it, it's losing steam and that's too bad because we have been very high on the team Taz versus Darby thing. Yeah. And we're three weeks away. I mean, we still, we're just going to do this three more times or whatever. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, uh, I'll just I'm gonna hit my uh, my delete, and this is uh, a me thing. And if I were ten years older, everyone would probably just tell me to shut the fuck up. And uh, why do I watch new wrestling? But the end of this match, Good Brothers come out, the main event. Good Brothers come out, they do their bit. Nobody comes out to help the good guys. Baby faces should have friends. It doesn't have to be that it's these are guys who are like close buddies with Mox and Archer and we always see them together but like the other baby faces should come out and help them that's to me that's pro wrestling 101 and it always annoys me when it doesn't happen but it so often doesn't happen that maybe I just need to um 
you know, stop yelling at, at clouds and move on with my life. Yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong. They did have a little explanation for this, like at the beginning of the pandemic. Like, oh, the locker room is so far away from the ring. Like, and they just got rid of that because they wanted to do too many run-ins and surprise appearances or whatever that they just stopped mentioning that. So they could have just been more careful about that and been like, oh, the Good Brothers must have been lying in wait planning this attack the whole time because here they are. And, you know, Lance Archer, who's had like an uneasy alliance with Pac and Phoenix over the last few weeks, uh, you know, they they must have left already because they already had their match. So you can solve it. They just didn't take the didn't take the time and effort to do it, um, which is, yeah, which, which kind of jumps out of you sometimes. They do. Sometimes they really take time and effort to to solve things in a satisfying way, um, but but just didn't in this. Now, I, I'm going to poke holes in this, A.B. I, it's my turn to play lawyer and cross-examine you on this take as you shake your head oh. and disgust at me for this. So when has Mox, Bring it. When has Mox really had friends Bring in, it, in this promotion? When has Mox had friends in this promotion? His only friend, I he, he's ever consistent. I already said it doesn't have to be his friend. I already said that. But why would they want to be, why would a babyface wrestler, when there were four people who are loosely affiliated, just destroying people with weapons, be like, oh, this is my time to go protect them? Like, why would you after you've because, seen this over the last few weeks? Because babyfaces stick together and they and they don't care about the odds because they're babyfaces. <laughs> All right, there. Did, did you want to go to like the Pikeville, uh, auditorium and go yes. see the young pistols wrestle is that what you're wanting i here? want i want white lightning tim horner to come out from the back and uh try to attack the good brothers it doesn't and it doesn't matter if they lose like if they come out and the good brothers beat the shit out of them that's even better like that's good you know they don't have to make the save they just need to try that's all i'm asking so uh i do think lance archer was a monster heel in this company for a very long time he still so kind of is yeah, I'm kind of fine with nobody coming to help him because it's like, oh, no, uh, you know, whoever he squashed, Colt Cabana or, or, or Marco Stunt, he's not going to come out for for, for Lance because he's really, like, been a prick. Um, so I kind of get that. <laughs> I do one. love the idea of Marco coming out to help Lance, though. <laughs> uh, okay, let's have Marco to... <laughs> come out for all these things now. Let's do it. I also do want to complain that uh, they got a big reaction out of having Jake the Snake at the short arm clothesline. Uh, I think it was on the Brody Memorial show and everybody's like went wild for it. And now they do it every time he's out there. He did it in the battle Royal. He got involved in this match. It's like, Oh yes, Jake can do something physical. So let's drive it into the ground right away. Uh, in, in the chat, Danny H does mention that Darby, his only, his Mox's only friend was dragged away earlier. So, uh, they yeah, could you have... did, there were some, there were light holes poked in your complaint. I think that was a good job well, for my first no, time I, lawyering. I'm proud of myself. I, I uh, reject everything that's been said because uh, I think, you know, the pink dream should have come out. I any baby face should have come out. That's all uh, I'm saying. Pink dream hops the guardrail, top, rips off her mask, <laughs> and just cleans house. No. She was being very safe tonight. This is, this is good. We can be uh, way more fast and loose with the facts because the chat can <laughs> fact check us if there's anything we really missed. <laughs> <laughs> so this is great that's for later. Nice. This will not be the end of the uh, wrong boys, though, at all. <laughs> no. Never. Wrong boys right again. Uh, listener delete. Uh, listener super deformed, aka guy, pops in with not enough Maki Ito. Have to agree. Uh, but at least on this show, I promise you there will be more Maki Ito later in the show. 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. No ratings talk this week because uh, the ratings don't come out until tomorrow as we're recording this. So <laughs> uh, ratings haters, we don't know about them. yeah, ratings haters, be okay about this because uh, to be quite honest, as soon as I realized this, I was like, you know what, the ratings have been kind of boring at this point. So if there's like interesting rating stuff, I'll pop on Patreon and do a quick thing breaking it down. But you know, uh, be rejoice, ratings haters. We won't. Yeah, the rating ratings corner will have to be replaced by whatever people said on the show about the ratings. So sure. typically it's just Jericho now has demo God in his Chiron for his entrance. Uh, <laughs> again, Carl Anderson taking joy in the success of the promotion. He is not contracted to uh, defeating NXT really amused me. Uh, also while I'm at it, Carl Anderson wanted to go too sweet. The stinger just cause he was in the wolf back also really amused me. I really loved, um, the big Luke Gallows dot Gallows saying a measly six ten. Whenever they show up, I, I it's something where like I I feel like we should be more mature and not find the Good Brother so funny. Never. But they are just like whenever they come out of there and they're just Gallows cracks me up every single time. I don't know why he's just such a crazy person, but it is just an absolute just whenever he's out there and it's like he's going to do something dumb on TV because he knows he can get away with it because this isn't his promotion. Yeah, um, I think I think uh, we made a pretty good argument for still enjoying the Good Brothers, despite, you know, them being very sophomoric and silly on our talking shop and mania episodes uh drew in particular i think made a made a good defense of them uh but yeah just doc doc the big luke gallows doc gallows talking about how he wants to whiz and kiz which are euphemisms for smoke weed and cum and that's all he wants to do is just do those over and over again uh i just don't think i'm gonna get it tired of it and when people get mad about it it makes me enjoy it more so also, it helps that for Luke Gallows, it seems like it's not really voluntary for him, and he kind of just goes into these brief manias, uh, and that he can do it on television is beautiful, I think. <laughs> it, this is one of those things, like, I've talked about this a lot on the show, but the idea that, I mean, frankly, we really don't represent your average AW viewer. I think sure. that's fair. Uh, and this is one of those things that draws that into sharp relief, because I see so many people just hating uh, the Good Brothers. And we have come on here so far and uh, laughed a lot about whatever they were doing each week. I, so. Yeah, I think Doc Gallows should take the TNT title from Darby. That's what I think should happen. <laughs> I, I, I just want... Uh, the match would rock. Don't tell me the match wouldn't kick ass. Oh, I, I'm here for it. I, I'm here. I don't know. 
I'm pretty sure. Dark? Well, maybe maybe the, maybe the match where where Luke wins wouldn't kick ass, but the rematch where Darby wins it back and is the un- <laughs> underdog, you know, small guy against the monster would sure. for sure be four stars. I, I I mean. I would hope that after the series, we would get a talking shop where it's like, well, I thought about the guy jumping off the top rope and hit me with that, but he's like 110 pounds. And just like him him doing like his cornet routine about this and like talking about like the last supper. Like the, there's a lot of gold here. And then Carl Anderson can there make is, comments about this property. There's, there, there is like a shared, like Darby's property is not so different from the Luke Gallows estate. Like, even though they seem like very different, like sides, di- yeah. very different ends of the spectrum in wrestling, like Darby filling up the hot tub on his giant Georgia land with Fruit Loops or whatever it was <laughs> is like that's pretty close to like Luke Gallows humor, except Luke Gallows <laughs> would have like a really large, overweight woman in a bikini in it. But, but it's like there are two sides of the same. Thing. I, I mean, they I, probably no. have the land around the same place too. Probably. <laughs> I'm now imagining the promos of Luke Gallows talking about, you know, cutting, whizzing and kissing promos against the straight edge guy. Like, there's a lot of gold there, to be honest. This is a money feud. It should happen. Uh, And then after they feud, they should they should go and team with each other. And uh, Carl Anderson (laughs) should spin off uh, to, I don't know, uh, join the Hardy Party. Nate, the only guy in the world who's like. No, I want the Good Brothers, but I'd really prefer to break off Anderson and send him to do something else. I mean, look, he's he's very charming. They're, he's very funny, but uh, let's be honest, Luke Gallows is the star of the team. I mean, you're not wrong. I'm just now imagining uh, Carl Anderson and Big Money Matt like trying to get like a business deal together, and it's just like Carl Anderson's kind of like, going through the motions because all he wants to be was with Doc Gallows, just wanting to whizzing and kissing, you know. Hey, if if Big Money Matt finds out how much they made on those Talking Shop of Mania shows, then they're in trouble. <laughs> Carl trying to keep Rebby away from his wife. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the show started off TNT title match. Darby Allen defeated Joey Janela with the coffin drop, uh, which we discussed. We had a Moxley pre-tape where he addresses uh, Kenta, you know, coming out and uh, hitting him. Also, you know, accuses him of carrying around a briefcase like a dork, which I thought was good. Um, he wasn't surprised by last week. He does a little bit of a of a sell for their uh, IWGP US heavyweight match on February 26th, except he doesn't tell us where we can watch it. <laughs> um, but he does. Is this the first time he's like carried the title on AEW television? Yes, for sure. Yeah, so he gives us a little hard sell for the main event. Then we're in the inner circle locker room uh, for the Sammy MJF. Um, segment that we've talked about. I guess we covered a lot of the beginning of the show because uh, this led to Cody and Lee Johnson defeating Peter Avalon and Cesar Bononi. Uh, Lee rolled up Peter Avalon for his very first win in AEW. Nightmare Nightmare Factory uh, comes out, or the Nightmare Family, not the Nightmare Factory. Uh, That would have been cool. Carly Bravo's out. Uh, The Nightmare Family comes out for Lee's first victory. Tony Schiavone's there to interview him. He thanks everyone, all his trainers, even Brandy, but he leaves out QT, and QT looks nonplussed, folks. I I have to think the like the weird emphasis he put on even Brandy helped me has to just be in reference to, but not QT. Yeah, like it would it would be weird if he's like, oh, even Brandy was helpful, unless it's so that QT can get mad about that later. 
Yes, we're definitely getting a Lee Johnson versus QT Marshall match. I'm here for and it. I can't wait, yeah. personally. I, that, that should be a dark feud. And that they should do this for Lee Johnson's, uh, uh, Peter Avalon's pretty provocation, pageant provocation uh, title that he won. Like, I, I, I want to see QT out there strut his stuff. I mean, I want to see what Jerry Lynn has to say about it as well. But, yeah, no, this was – it was, like, really funny. Like, the, the camera was, like, kind of almost panned a little bit over to QT, and it was just, like – QT was, like, hmm, during that. It was kind of, – it, it cracked me up. I, there was a lot of things on the show that cracked me up for dumb reasons. I'm just – there's one moment that we'll talk about later that I had to, like, put down my phone from on Discord and just get a good, like, 30-second laugh out of me before I continued. Dasha, that's a great sell for later in the show, Mike. Dasha is backstage with the Young Bucks. Asked how they got eliminated so early from the Tag Team Battle Royale. They say, why don't you ask these guys? And the Good Brothers uh, stroll into the picture. Uh, they're bragging about winning the ratings last week. Uh, Gallo says, hey, was it you guys? We were out there to distract Private Shardy. <laughs> uh, uh, and he says they should actually be mad at MJF and Jericho. Uh, Matt comes up with the idea that next week he wants to wrestle Santana and Ortiz. I, I, pri Private Shardy like, is just the, comes from the mind of a wrestling genius. Like cr yeah. Chris here should give up his name to Luke Gallows because uh, <laughs> if, if somebody said Private Shardy in the Attitude Era, he would be fucking the most over guy in the history of pro wrestling. Like that's the rock level shit right there. Uh, he would be a WrestleMania Shard, main yeah. eventer. Yeah. Uh, Private Shardy. It's just like inspired. Yeah. He would definitely, I mean, because it's Luke Gallows, it would probably be a little problematic, but he would definitely have t-shirts that say Private Shardy with the good brothers dressed up as Private Party. That'd be funny. They might do that anyway. <laughs> Could do that anyway. Um, uh, there had, Yeah. You're playing with fire because, yeah, he, like you said, <laughs> like you said, he would verge on problematic. I mean, he, he doesn't really now. Like, they're pretty smart about it, which I also appreciate is, like, you can tell, like, there's no way Doc Owls is not like a chud for sure. But it doesn't for give sure. you one hint of it on the show. And it's like, fine, I don't care if you're a chud if you are smart enough to hide it from me. And, like, that's, what again, wrestling genius in all aspects of the business. Um, put, some, put some respect on Doc Owls' name. Uh, this closed out with the Good Brothers wanting to do uh, the famous hand sign, but the Young Bucks were not so inclined. Uh, so, yeah, as they said, he tried to do it with Sting instead. <laughs> yeah, that's a that came up on BTE also that the Young Bucks thing now is that they are embarrassed to do the two suite with with uh, Guns and Gallows. Like they, they just don't want to be seen by the other people like doing the doing the two suite. And they, they feel like it reflects poorly on them, which is funny. Uh, Dosh is with Adam Page, uh, asked if he's going to be tagging with Matt Hardy going forward. Page says no, but Hardy interrupts, says, okay, I get it. You don't want to be a tag team, but we should at least celebrate. I've rented out a bar for just the two of us, uh, and it's on me. So Page is in since he doesn't have to pay. Uh, he tries to walk away, but he runs into the Dark Order, and uh, John Sil Silver feels a little awkward about their uh, <laughs> interaction here. <laughs> yeah, John Silver. So they have to cross each other, and which means Adam Page has to tell them, "Oh, I'm I'm gonna go with Matt Hardy, not not you guys." Uh, and John Silver says, "I think catch you on the flip flop," <laughs> and then just immediately feels humiliated about saying such a stupid thing. Uh, and again, like if this were Attitude Era, this is pristine pro wrestling skit acting from John Silver, where 
he immediately oversells how embarrassed and mortified he is by saying this like slaps himself on the forehead and then you see then you see like look in his eyes as he's going off camera just very funny <laughs> uh big superstar john hey i definitely commiserate with john silver saying a phrase and thinking it's the right phrase and then immediately being made a point of how dumb you feel there uh, anna jay in the background just staring holes into uh hangman was tremendous during this it, it was just like a two-minute segment that was just perfect for what it was and as nate said like john silver like we haven't had john silver and luke gallows together yet we need that to, like those are two that might be oil and water in some ways but i feel like the energy the two of them <laughs> that the two of them throw off could really complement each other real well yeah this is this is like we complained a lot on the show about like oh they're all every story is about leaving a stable or joining a stable or whatever but i do i think it's funny that like Hangman's hey, is like no, he has all these, he has all these people that are vying for his attention, and the Dark Order one in particular has taken the tenor of a romantic relationship where they're all like in love with him. Uh, it, it's funny, I like it. Next up, Pac defeated the Hollywood Hunk Ryan Nemeth uh, with the Black Arrow into the Brutalizer. He just ate him up, ate him up. As the resident number one Pac fan, I was here for it. I had a great time. Yeah, I don't have anything to say about this except uh, if the Spectrum is, you know, the Nightmare Factory on one side and the WWE Performance Center on the other side or your FCW on the other side, Ryan Nemeth closer closer to the Performance Center side of things than the Nightmare Factory side of things. We got a video recapping uh, the wedding, uh, but it's also uh, interspersed with Miro's comments. Uh, he's mad that the man he took under his wing and treated like a brother turned his back on him. He's, but he knows it's not you, Charles. It's Orange Cassidy. Uh, but he says nobody messed with us, so he's going to get some revenge. But this was a funny little video where they like they had these very like artful shots of Penelope with the cake on her face and Kip after all this kind of like thrown in the middle. Uh, Trent was with Orange Cassidy, and uh, he says obviously Orange Cassidy is going to jump out of a cake. Yeah. Uh, Dasha, man, just working hard on this episode. She's with Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, and Wardlow uh, next to the ring. She wonders where the rest of the inner circle is. Jericho says MJF is going to be out there soon. Uh, but Santana and Ortiz and MJF suddenly show up. And MJF says Sammy cheap shot at him and maybe broke his ribs. Yeah, it's a smart little way to put this all together where now you have the storyline reason for MJF to get attacked. And now... You have some doubt in your mind, like, oh, the Acclaim could beat him here because MJF has a built-in excuse for this. Uh, so a good way to, like, make this match maybe a little more meaningful and make you pay a little more attention to it otherwise because you, it's not a foregone conclusion that Jericho and MJF are going to win. Um, and, yeah, I do. MJF, MJF is, like, better at better at this character stuff and, like, background character stuff. We've said this before, too. Uh, or, or, like, even, like, the skit acting part of it than he is, like, just those straight-ahead promos. So, like... Him selling his anger or like his his stuff on the road to show about the acclaimed all hits, I think, really well, uh, you know, much better than like his his monologue or his campaign speech or whatever that was. So, yeah, I thought this another storyline about people entering or leaving stables, but it did come together in a good way here. What's with the inner circle and always doing promos with them right before them coming out <laughs> for entrances like I. Am I the only one who notices that like it feels like each week before there is an inner circle match to do a promo right before they come out for their entrance? Like this has to be a trend. 
Yeah, I wonder if that's a thing like, oh, we're going to you know pop interest in this next match by making sure everyone knows, hey, after the break is Jericho. So, you know, you're going to see him now, and that's going to be the tease to see his actual match or something. I wonder if that's where they're thinking. Well, MJF and Chris Jericho did defeat the acclaimed. Uh, Jericho hit a Judas effect uh, on Max Caster after Hager pushed him off the top rope. After the match, Sammy Guevara came out. Uh, Jericho asked him, you know, what's the deal? What's going on with you? Sammy says, I told you if one more thing happened with MJF, I was done. And so I'm out here to tell you I'm done. I quit the inner circle. Uh, we also saw Marvez catch Sammy leaving the uh, Daily's place. And Sammy said he just needs some time away from this place. Yeah, good segment. Like, again, Sammy always stands out in these segments, I think, because of his performance ability. Also, it's like he didn't – he doesn't fuck around. He's just like, no, that's that's it. I'm leaving by – doesn't, you know, give him any chance to beg for him to hang around. A lot a lot of to-do made that Sammy exited through the babyface tunnel, um, which is, like, kind of a cute thing to keep your eye on. I, I'm placing my, my shot here. I'm calling my shot. Uh, he's going to interfere and – either stop MJF and Jericho from winning the titles or like come out and like prevent inner circle interference. Like he'll be off TV until revolution, I think. So calling my shot, I'm probably wrong. I'm calling my shot as a big, like huge, overwhelming star, Sammy. Here's why. Last night watching dark, the Hollywood hunk comes out. I say, SB, is this guy a hunk or what? She says, uh, no, he's a chump. Then Cesar Bononi comes out. I say, SB, is this guy a hunk? No, she's not in on Cesar Bononi. She says, in fact, uh, she said, I don't really like the term hunk, but I can't think of any hunks in AEW. She's actually the only one who's cute is Sammy Guevara. It's a good looking kid. Yeah. So matinee aisle. Can't, can't disagree. He's already won over my wife and, uh, the last person that she, uh, you know, was horny for was Darby Allen, and he's a big star. So I think I was going to say you did. She she said the only person that's that's a hunk, and I was going to say I think she liked Darby Allen. Also, well, what, what did you what did you get your wife for her birthday? I oh I can't announce that because um, she's going to listen to this. Come on, I mean probably not, but she is like a a room over, you okay. know. So and I'm loud. That just but, occurred to uh, me, of course, because uh, famously your wife does share a birthday with Blackpink's Rosé, uh, which is occurring presently in Korea. So, Yes, that is true. They do share a birthday. Uh, they're uh, both turning 25. So <laughs> it's happening tomorrow. Um, and it's like we had all these plans of like, which I have to work, so it really doesn't matter. But we had all these plans, but then it, it came like this huge ice storm today and probably everything's going to be closed tomorrow. Mm. <laughs> So brutal. Okay. Um, Matt Hardy and Adam Page are at this bar. This was the, this had the most impact vibe of, uh, of the whole show here. Uh, Hardy is uh, pretending like he's drinking. Adam Page uh, has gotten drunk as he is wont to do. And Matt Hardy says he thinks they have a lot of chemistry. He could make him a huge star. You just got to sign this contract, like his contract with private party. Uh, And yeah, Hardy does, Maybe the more annoying camera thing where he says, hey, cameraman, the reason I wanted you here was so if Adam Page is drunk, when he sobers up tomorrow and thinks he didn't do this, I'll have proof that he actually did it. Yeah, like, hey, cameraman, I'm admitting right now that Adam Page is probably not in his right mind and is not capable of making this agreement. But because you're here, 
and it's on camera, somehow that overrides the fact that I'm admitting this. That makes sense, right? Was there a thing that, like, I, I, I'll i be honest, I missed, like, if there was a tweet or something that confirmed it, that Paige did not sign the actual contract? Like, is that kind of thing? Because I saw, like, a tweet he said, like, don't don't snitch on me, that he said. So is that going to be the thing that's come out of it, or am I just completely off base? I'm probably no, I was, off base. I was, so they had Hardy in the foreground talking directly to camera, and I was paying attention to him, and he had something like written on his folder or whatever, and I like couldn't read that on my Fike TV quality, not like you know genuine cable HD. Um, and in the background, I was like, oh, I wonder if something's happening in the background where Hangman's not signing that or he swapped it out or something. Yeah. Uh, but I was relying on you guys to tell me if that happened. So Danny in the live chat said it was switched. So he pulled a switcheroo there. So this is – Okay. It, we might not be as wrong or we'll be wrong and then corrected. I think that's what's going to happen. We'll, a part of the, uh, the shows now are going to have live Perfect. corrections that we have to offer. I love it. This was a, great, like a great choice. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, Tony's out with Sting. We talked about this segment. Then we saw Alex Marvez catch up with Kenny Omega on the golf course. I guess it was it you, Mike, who pointed out that he had the Charles Barkley. No, um, it wasn't me. It wasn't me, but he had the Charles Barkley gear on, and it cracked me up. Like this is the funniest thing. Like he looked insane because he had like these wraparound eighty sunglasses, and then a golf polo shirt, and then khakis that did not fit him right, and. He had golf shoes on, but they were insane-looking golf shoes. And Kenny Omega looked insane, and it cracked me up. Like, this was where I lost my shit for 30 seconds because it was so funny. Kenny Omega playing golf. It was actually—it was also Danny H. So not only did Danny uh, correct us as we go along, but uh, Danny also brought the Charles Barkley uh, info. So very good. Have you guys ever watched, um, like, the Charles Barkley golf swing supercut? Oh, it's great. Oh, Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Very funny. One of one of the few reliably funny things where you can put it on and never get tired of it. Really. Oh yeah, it rocks. Uh, Kenny does a, a bad shot, uh, but we see Don and whoever else is there. I'm not sure who. The caddy uh, in the background. They're they're trying to find it and like uh, fix it so that it was actually a good shot. That it didn't look funny. that bad. I thought I thought it was oh, probably going to be way worse. Past the whole yeah. Thing. I mean, do we think he's a real golfer? Do we think Kenny Omega golfs? No, and that's why this I was no way, shot. right? No. So I was like, no. kind of impressed. He's like, hey, that was in the general direction of the pin, that's and not true. like, you know, he didn't stop short in the in the bunker. Like, you shot out of the bunker on that thing too. And that's not a hard, that's not an easy shot. And no, I was I was impressed that it like headed in the right direction where you could kind of make it work. And as the person who was cut from the first cut on my high school golf team, I appreciated how bad he was at golf. Yeah. Well, I, I know you're shaking your head at me, A.B. The reason why I did this is because I played soccer, and I saw to do a second sport, so I picked a sport that I knew I'd get cut from immediately, and I'd just go work out for my athletic credit. But I was, I'm terrible at golf. One of my worst sports. I made the – in eighth grade, I made the uh, varsity basketball team, uh, but the week – the weekend before they announced who made the team, I wrecked on a four-wheeler and broke my arm in my leg. Hell yeah. <laughs> so I was out for the whole season. <laughs> so I didn't get to play. Hell yeah. Anyway. Uh, AW Women's Title Eliminator Tournament first round match. And uh, we got Thunder Rosa defeating Layla Hirsch with the Fire Thunder Driver. A uh, match I was looking forward to and a match that pretty well delivered, I'd say. 
Yeah, it's kind of, uh, maybe I'm easy, but like Thunder Rosa matches always just deliver for me because it always looks like she's laying shit in. I'm like, oh yeah, it's like the same thing as the Darby and Janela dives. I do have, let me run this by you guys. I feel like Layla Hurst should not do, she has these high flying moves. The the stuff like the, the moonsault and stuff, you're like pretty impressed. It's like, oh, she's a power wrestler and she can do that. But I kind of wonder if she should do them. Um, she also does a dive that like is not very good. And it's like, I maybe you should just like, because everybody does dives. Maybe just like differentiate yourself and be like, no, I'm like the power wrestler in the women's division. I'm not going to do the same dives that everybody else does is like just a standard transition spot or whatever. I, I, I feel like that would be just, you know, focus on what you're really good at so that like your dive isn't compared to six other dives on the show and like, you know, is not faring well in that regard. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed this, but I also felt like that this was a match where the Layla Hirsch haters kind of could put a feather in their cap in a way. I don't think it 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 did really kind of felt feel like a match where it was uh, Thunder Rosa doing a lot of the more interesting stuff. Like there was some cool stuff from Layla at the beginning of the match, but by the end of it, it was like, oh, I'm going to go for another moonsault. I'm going to go for another moonsault and just kind of lost whatever effect it is, like going for the same move and missing it twice. So, Yeah, I mean, at least that was like part of the story of the match, I guess, where it's like, oh, you know, she shouldn't be doing the moonsault, so they caused her to lose this match. Like that kind of works. But yeah, I just, you know, maybe just like your thing is that like, yeah, you're a power wrestler. You don't leave the center of the ring. You just throw people around all the time would be like a better niche for her to stake out in this division. Yeah, I I think Layla got blown up in the match. It just seemed like when she went for that second power bomb or second moonsault, especially she seemed to be struggling. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's like it's not impressive anymore. For you know, we saw this in men's wrestling also of like the big powerhouses suddenly also could do like flips and stuff. It's like okay, well, yeah, but we're over that now. Like that's already happened. So I think yeah, it's the same thing with Layla that it's like the women there aren't a ton of women in the division who are just powerhouses, you know, it's like Nyla and well, I mean, Ty Conti, of course. Um, but yeah, so there is like a spot for her of just like being an ass kicker. That's probably going to get her farther than uh, a couple of high spots. Yeah. Or like maybe, maybe have one, but it's like really good. Like maybe have the one, the one like spring up a moonsault and you're like really great at it. Okay. But yeah, don't uh, you know? I don't feel like every high spot should be in her toolbox when she, yeah, can find better ways to differentiate herself. I agree. She should get, um, she should just get like more, like muscled and just become like, um, I don't know, just a big ass kicker. That's all I'm saying. What's her name? Rika Saki. Rika. Yeah, she just become yeah. the muscle idol. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, uh, Tony is with uh, Jungle Boy, a little pre-tape. He's talking about uh, Dax from FTR. says, hey, everybody's talking about our match. Never been in a fight like that, but I came out on top. Uh, so also, we didn't tell on you. I think that was a thing from last week that FTR was saying they told on them, and that's why they got suspended. Anyway, he says, we didn't want you suspended. Uh, I want you to look you in the eye and uh, make you my bitch, he said, which E. was pretty cringe <laughs> e. i mean i i've said this for a while about jungle boy like the problem is this guy really 
he's soft spoken in a different way than Lee Johnson, where Lee Johnson was able to do like a pretty compelling and emotional thing, but he's not like shouting in the camera. It just felt really awkward. Like I don't, uh, I really like Jungle Boy as a wrestler, but the idea that people are like, oh, he's this future superstar. It's like no, he can't do a pre tape without it coming off as kind of cringe. And I, this was I actually I would like to retroactively say this is my delete of the week. Like I felt like I hated this segment. Like it just I, I and Jungle Boy needs to like get this experience, but it just was a bad promo, a bad sit down thing where it just kind of like he just very softly says like I came in on top. That was a fight like that. We didn't tell on you, and you're just like, oh come on, man. Like have a little bit more emotion in your promos. Yeah, I mean, I don't like it. I still think there's like very clear opportunity for him to become like a big babyface star. I feel like, yeah, he just needs to find the lane for him that works in this context of doing a babyface promo. And like, I'm not sure who I'm not sure who his model should be for that. But there's somebody that he can look at and be like, okay, that's that's the kind of tech I should take on this. But yeah, the thing where it's like, oh, you're gonna be my bitch is like. That's that's like the cheap pop thing you say in a promo for a live crowd when you don't have anything else, and this is a pre-tape with no live crowd, and it's like it doesn't really work. Um, there's, there's just a better better lane, better route. I don't know what it is, but hopefully somebody can find it. And then we just had the main event with Kenny Omega and Kenta defeating John Moxley and Lance Archer. Omega pinned Archer with the one-winged angel after the Good Brothers uh, interfered. Also, they had to help him pick up Archer. This was like one of the better uh, protection jobs of you know beating somebody uh, that you're going to see. So fun match, as we discussed in E-Leader D-Lead. Um, all right, we're, we've got a few more things because we still want to get into the women's title eliminator tournament bracket so we're going to do that uh, before we get into that just want to remind everybody the best way to support the show is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite uh, we have three tiers of course as we said at the top if you want to listen to this show live on wednesday nights right after dynamite the eight dollar tier will get you that uh, the five dollar tier gets you all the audio that we do otherwise uh, and we do bonus shows this week on monday we had a primer for the Japanese side of the uh, bracket. And Taylor Mainberg, my uh, co-host from Jumping Bomb Audio, our Joshi-centric podcast, joined me. And we talked in depth about all the women on the Joshi side, talked about some recommended matches, the history of their careers, lots of fun stuff. So check that out. Uh, and uh, Mike showed up with a little tea break, a tea break on Tuesday <laughs> to talk about uh, the U.S. Indies. Well, yeah, so originally I was going to, like, watch Fight Forever like I did the uh, Collective, and then I kind of realized as I was busy that day and wasn't able to watch it live, I was like, I didn't really want my in the back of my mind, I was like, I didn't really want to watch this anyways, and that, and then all the announcements for Tampa WrestleMania just kind of sent me off, and I made myself a cup of tea, tried to calm down, and I felt like I had, like, a pretty just calm discussion about my thesis on the uh, North American indie scene, and what led to this and what I expect coming out of it. So and I'm just, just like a 30 minute, like nice little like talk with your old pal. So that, that was my tea break. We also had light of course on Wednesday where Mike and I uh, previewed dynamite and reviewed dark. And we just bullshit usually about something dumb for a while. And then uh, Nate also breaks down BTE and any other uh, hot vlog action. 
Um, yeah, so light is good. Next week, I don't know what we're going to do. Actually, I did uh, not uh, I did not cover the Hikaru Shido vlogs from her bathtub, so I, yeah, I cannot claim. Uh, I, I just want to be honest that, you know, in terms of covering the hot vlogs, I did not cover <laughs> the naked woman in her bathtub vlog. What about the uh, Keiko Honda uh, vlog? Did you cover that? Uh, I scanned through that. It was like 10 minutes, and it was a lot of like, here's an NFL stadium. Um, so didn't, you know. I did watch more of that than I did the Super Bowl, if that means anything. But did not, you know, did not find a lot of uh, information there to pass along to our lovely patrons, who I did not defame earlier in the show. <laughs> and of course, if you uh, join the Patreon, join our Discord. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and you can join the green team. So that's what everybody wants to do. So that's over at patreon.com slash everything elite. We got plenty of more good stuff coming the rest of the month. Um, okay, next week on Dynamite, we got FTR versus Matt and Mike. Yes, Seidel. I am so stoked that Yoko Monster <laughs> makes his AEW debut. Uh, I thought he was out of wrestling, but he's back. He did a lot of time in Dragon Gate, but mostly other than like big shows, he was just doing openers and house shows. So it's nice to see that the Yoga Monster is going to make an appearance. It's kind of sad it's not happening against a live crowd because I feel like the Yoga Monster act could get over live. Something about this promotion just makes uh, lesser known brothers want to come out of retirement to appear. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I'm stoked for that. I think that'd be fun. Uh, then we're going to have... Uh, Adam Page, Matt Hardy, and Private Party versus TH2 and Chaos Project. Uh, Sting is going to call out Team Taz. We've been waiting for that. <laughs> and uh, did, another first round did, match. I didn't. I didn't know. Was that honestly advertised? <laughs> yes. 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 Jesus. N Nate. Th oh, I hope he does it in the ring with Tony Schiavone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. Team Taz has not been called out enough. Um. No. Someone needs to hold them accountable. What do we think? So did did Adam Page make Matt Hardy sign a release for Private Party? And then in the match, Ooh. Adam Page is going to be like, no, actually, you guys uh, don't have to work for him anymore and, and send him your money. That'd be good. He I'm does, not following he, Impact closely enough to know what's going on with Private yeah, Party. Yeah, he, he does owe Private Party $12, I think. <laughs> That's like way back yeah. to BTE story. There is a relationship there with Adam Page and private party mostly because they they all have vodka i think sure uh it's not water etc cetera, etc cetera. Yes. uh first round another first round matchup in the women's title eliminator tournament serena deeb versus rio rio's first AEW match in 11 months pretty yeah, well there's a pandemic yeah uh, there was there is a pandemic nate not uh, sure right. if you heard so we have both no didn't you hear biden got elected so it went away <laughs> oh that's right so, like i wish so, i would have voted for him <laughs> so, so we have both the small monster and the yoga monster on the same show just just that's right just pointed out there i could have if this wasn't 11 30 night i'd make a big uh uh monster express reference here and be my friends but no that's not happening i, I just made the <laughs> reference by saying what i was going to say Okay, thanks. Uh, and the tag titles will be on the line. The Young Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz, which seems like quite the match to uh, throw on this dynamite. Yeah, and this is like, this is impact booking where we have number one contenders for the tag titles, but the Young Bucks are going to defend them first against some other random team picked at random. It's fine. They, you know, they, they pretended like they did it in the, in the spur of the moment. So whatever. 
All right. Now, here's uh, the last big thing we're going to do on the show is we're going to make our picks for the Women's Title Eliminator Tournament. Uh, I'm not sure how much differences we're going to have, but I guess we'll go one by one and and see where we are. So let's, we'll start out on the U.S. side. Uh, Layla Hirsch versus Thunder Rosa. No, I'm kidding. Layla Hirsch hey, versus Thunder Rosa, of course. I, I did submit my bracket to y'all ahead of time, so I did have a legitimate pick here, and I did pick. Hey, I, I tweeted mine, and friend of the show, Robert, said it was pretty much perfect. So Yeah. That was on him. There we go. And I'm sure Robert knows the, the results, so... <laughs> Uh, you knew the results. Somebody's already told him. All right, so uh, we'll we'll start with next week's matchup of Serena Deeb versus Riho. Does everybody have Riho winning that match? Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, Ty Conti versus Nyla Rose. Probably the toughest one on this side of the bracket. Uh, I went with Nyla. I went with Ty, but yeah, this was a tough one. I think this is going to be something where this is going to be the big upset in the first round. Yeah, I went, I went with Ty also. I feel like they are suggesting she's starting a push, uh, and so it's. I just think that's the way they're going to go. Yeah, um, yeah. I think this is. If you're going to pick an upset, I think this is a smart one to pick. I'm just going with Nyla's, the former champion, the one that's been you know used and protected the most in this company. So probably the chalk pick, but I think that's fair. Uh, Britt Baker versus Anna J. I assume we all have Britt Baker. Yeah. Yes, sir. All right, we'll just we'll stay on this side of the bracket. Uh, so that would mean we would all have Thunder Rosa versus Riho. Who do you who do we have winning that one? I've got this. Riho I think is very interesting. I've got yeah. Rio is my pick here. I think mostly uh, to preserve. They don't want to go right back to Thunder Rosa and Brit is my guess. So I have Riho beating Rosa to set up a face versus heel semifinal. Yeah, uh, exact same logic. I have Riho winning here. Okay, so we got Riho going to uh, the semifinals. I agree. Uh, but, I mean, Rosa wouldn't stun me. I just think Riho's back. You got to give her a little jolt. Uh, so, well, we got a little bit uh, of a difference here. I think Mike and I have Ty versus Britt. Uh, Nate, you've got Nyla versus Britt. But do we all have Britt advancing to the semifinal? Yes. Yes, sir. All right, so that leads us all to Britt versus Riho. And uh, I, I think the the small monster's journey ends here. I think Britt advances to the final. Yeah, I think uh, Britt is ready for her big push. She's been a highlight of the promotion throughout the pandemic. Uh, I think Riho, they don't want to go right back to, uh, especially because she's been out of the promotion for a while. Probably also are not inclined to do a Japanese versus Japanese final. Um, so yeah, I think I think Britt, feel pretty confident about Brit coming out of the U.S. bracket. Yeah, if Riho, uh, if they said that that Riho taped things in Japan, I'd think like, okay, it makes perfect sense. You'd have Riho versus whomever, and you'd have that match taped in Japan. But now it, it's Brit's time. I think this is like the right time for Riho to, uh, or for Brit to be elevated to the title. And I think this is going to be the big move that, I'm not certain when this tournament's over. Like, is it happening at Revolution or is it happening after Revolution? But I think this is going to lead up for Britt becoming women's champion out of this. So Excalibur definitely, like, going into a, a sell job for the buying uh, live tickets said something about, like, 
they're competing for a chance at the title at Revolution. But that's like the closest there's been to a suggestion of where this is going to end up. So not really sure. All right. Let's get over to the Japanese side. Then we all have Britt Baker coming out of the U.S. side. So R.I.P. Britt is basically uh, what we're saying. Uh, starting off with Yuka Sakazaki versus Mei Suruga. And I must say that Tony Schiavone said that he cannot <laughs> count out Mei Suruga. He'd have a very hard time picking against her. Yeah, this is a cool match. Um, have to go with Yuka Sakazaki. She is the uh, known quantity to AEW viewers. She is the you know, a, a former top champion in a Japanese Joshi promotion. Uh, whereas Mace Ruga is just now, you know, getting her footing kind of in the, in that same promotion. So yeah, Yuka, I think an easy win, but this should be a very cool match. I, I really hope that whatever they're going to do production wise, if they're just adding in commentary and posts, they have to add in commentary and posts. Like, like you're, you're not going to throw up a YouTube video of just matches in an empty ice ribbon dojo. I kind of want Tony Schiavone to do it because I feel like that he would have such a good time. Like, get Tony Schiavone. Tony and Veda. Tony and Veda were a great team. That's what I was going to say. Tony and Veda. Because I feel like between May Saruga, Vinny, and Maki Ito, I, I want to see Tony Schiavone's, or I want to hear Tony Schiavone's, like, natural reactions. Because I feel like he would have, I feel like that May Saruga would crack him up and he'd be like, I love May Saruga. Now she's my favorite wrestler. So I, I, I think that it's Yuka Sakazaki, though. I'm sorry, guys. I've already actually booked the commentary team on the Japanese uh, bracket primer, and it will be uh, Excalibur, Taz, and Balianaki. <laughs> uh, that'd be pretty cool, too. TBH. I, I, I like the idea of Balianaki and Taz on the same commentary team. I feel like that, I, that, that has a good vibe to it. I'm down for that. Oh, yeah. Good vibes. Uh, yeah. Yuka is obviously winning uh, that match. Uh, now, but there's a couple of really interesting ones here, and I think this is maybe the most interesting one on this side of the bracket. Uh, Vinny, aka Japan's Asuka, versus Emi Sakura. Yeah, tough pick here because you have Emi Sakura, who is uh, another known quantity to AEW. Um, but you know, has probably probably maxed out in terms of what her push is going to be. Like, she's probably not going to be a future champion at any point. So her getting the previous title challenge is, you know, where she's going to peak. Um, so you can beat her here, I think. And Vinny is, you know, an up and coming young talent um, that I have not seen very much of. I saw the, the single light tube match, uh, but I understand she's very highly regarded. So this could be, you know, if they have down the line plans for a Vinny, then this would be uh, an interesting place to have her get an upset win, I think, over Emmy. Yeah, and I think that with that setting up a Yuka Sakazaki versus Vinny uh, bracket semifinal match, that's a really hot match there. So I think that for those reasons, and I think that really, yeah, the mileage out of uh, Emi Sakura that they've gotten, I feel like all you're going to really assume to get out of Emi Sakura in this promotion. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's an interesting match. I mean, you have the Maestra versus Vinny who can pretty much do anything. So I think that'd be a pretty cool matchup. I did actually pick Emmy though. I didn't Ooh. say, oh. I did not actually say that, but yes, I did pick Emmy to win. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I could easily see Emmy winning, but I so badly want to see Yuka Sakazaki versus Venny that I'm just putting all my psychic energy toward uh, that match happening. So I will say if this final is going to be at revolution, I came out the big uh, assemble show, which is a promotion 
that basically has like matches from every Japanese promotion. It's basically a thing that came up in the pandemic of like, let's do another thing, you know, for all these promotions. And Vinny and uh, Ryo Mizunami are booked on that show that's on March 8th, I think. So uh, it would be very hard for either of them to be uh, at Revolution. Uh, and that leads into our next match, which is Ryo Mizunami versus Maki Ito. And I know, Nate, you said on the, on the TL that you were uh, a little flustered about this match. Yeah, well, I, I think this is another one hard one to pick because Maki Ito, like, obvious foregone conclusion, future AEW star, uh, that's, like, her dream. Uh, the, you know, you look at her reaction on Twitter that her announcement got, and it's clear that AEW would be like, oh, yeah, we're definitely for sure <laughs> going to give her a chance because people are already crazy about her. Um, but Ryo Mizunami, also someone who's previously been in AEW, you know, was that double or nothing? Um, is the veteran here in this match. Um, just kind of, I'm inclined to say Maki Ito. That's who I picked is Maki Ito to win here because you probably want to get two matches out of her for this tournament to get some eyeballs on it. Uh, I just, you know, I, I guess I, I'm thinking kind of in the Joshi hierarchy that like Ryo Mizunami is just like the 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 veteran who is more, would be maybe inclined to be better protected in the in that sort of hierarchy if that makes sense yeah but at the same time as a freelancer it's not like that she has a backing there other than her veteran status really and i know that i was listening to the primer you had ab with taylor that taylor brought up the fact that apparently she was pre-pandemic was looking to come to the states in 2020 or like that was like a plan so it would make sense for her but this was like the big coin flip match in the first round. Like everything else, I was pretty certain on who I felt like was going to win in the round of 16. But this was the one where I had to think about, I was like, okay, they're going to try to get more because Makito with like the Western fan base has more of an appeal than Ryo Mizunami. Yeah, I also do think I, I'm kind of assuming that like Hikaru Shida is producing this tournament and putting it together, coordinating it. I'm kind of presuming kind of in, in conjunction with Emi Sakura, who she's worked with a lot. And I kind of, you know, Ryo Mizunami is somebody who goes through your Gato moves and your Choco pros and stuff. So I just feel like if they're, if they're kind of coordinating this and making the decisions, maybe they put her over Maki Ito if that. Yeah, I did pick Maki though. Yeah, and it's also true that I'm pretty sure that when they announced the bracket and Maki got the big reaction that the matches had probably already occurred. Yeah, pretty good so chance. So that probably didn't play anything into it. I still, I think Maki wins um, largely because I just assume that the people who would be involved in this are smart enough to know that Maki's the bigger draw and that they're eventually going to want to bring her over as yeah. uh, I think Mike was saying. So it's like, you might as well get two matches out of her and uh, showcase her a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I think if Kenny's making these decisions, he probably goes, oh, fucking Twitter loves Maki Ito you know right but tde gifts so right but to me the even bigger thing is and a, this could be joshi brain but i assume they are planning to do maki ito versus aja kong which yes. is like a match yes. that has a story behind it already that that was my initial my first blush reaction was oh maki ito versus aja kong for sure so yeah uh, so uh we're all going maki then i guess and i guess yeah. we're all going aja then after that yeah, Aja yeah. Kong versus uh, Rin Katakura. And I misspoke earlier. It's not Leo Mizunami who's booked on Assemble. It's uh, Rin Katakura. Uh, but yeah, I, I think poor That's Rin has, has, 
has drawn the short the short straw here. Well, and that that's kind of fine. It's like she's a you know she's probably the least known name to your average AEW fan. Maybe I would guess or kind of the dark horse selection oh, yeah. for the for the tournament in general. And it's like okay, she gets a big spotlight by being in this tournament for an American promotion. And in exchange, all she has to do is lose to the living legend Aja Kong. Like that's a pretty good. <laughs> so yes, not bad. All right. And, so then I think uh, I just had one more thing. Uh, and with how Aja Kong is seen and where Ren is in her career, it's a big th- fact that she has the match against Aja Kong and will go down fighting. And especially considering that she's from Marvelous with Chikusa Nagayo, so like that matters. So I think that that's well, like she'll gain a lot at least in her career in the short term out of just having this match begin with so it's fine yeah i also just want to say i was concerned that they were going to put just like promotional partners up against each other in these first round matches and they didn't do that so there's a lot of cool matches here uh so we had a little bit of difference but i'm assuming we all have uh yuka sakazaki winning the second round mat at the top of this bracket yes yes sir yuka over emmy yeah yuka over venny same and oh god just i know that's not going to happen because i'm just dying for it to happen <laughs> uh and then uh aja kong versus maki and i assume we all have aja kong yep got aja kong uh yeah you know that's plays right into maki being you know like fundamentally kind of a loser mm-hmm. having to try and trying to conquer this living legend of aja it's also like politically it's like oh yeah sure tokyo joshi pro has had maki to lose to aja kong they're going to be fine with maki to losing to aja kong it only like helps maki Ito's story and you know, the, the, at the same time, they'll have Yuka Sakazaki on my bracket coming out of this thing, so they're more than fine having right. another roster member lose. Yeah, and Asha Kong doesn't lose often, so she's yeah. going to pick up some wins along the way. And when Maki Ito beats Asha Kong, it's not going to be on YouTube. It's yeah. going to be on a yeah. big, important show. Uh, so then uh, Yuka versus Asha, and I assume we do have Yuka. I'll have Yuka coming out here. Oh, interesting assumption. You are correct. Yes. That is, yes. That is, I, I don't think it's oh. a super foregone conclusion, but no, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah, I, I have Yuka beating Aja. That would be, I think that's the first time ever match. So that would be a pretty cool win for Yuka Sakazaki. Yeah, I, I think it's actually this was as soon as I saw the bracket, I was like, oh yeah, no, the with how this bracket's laid out, the finals is Yuka Sakazaki versus Aja Kong on the Japanese side, and Yuka wins. Like, that was... They're, they're not flying Aja Kong, and Aja Kong is not flying just to do, like, one match in the States and lose to Bert Baker. So, it's... Well, yeah, I don't think it's... Because they have... They've, obviously, they wanted to use Aja Kong more than they have, because they had her do that angle yes. with Awesome Kong. Uh, so, again, uh, Aja Kong, like... I don't think is an impossibility where they say, oh, you know, we'll really make Britt Baker look good by having her beat Aja Kong after she wins this whole tournament. But like that, that does kind of make sense to me. I don't think it happens, but you know, they might, they've flown Aja Kong to the U S to do less. That's than a big match on TV. Yeah. So. It, 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 yeah. I, I just, my thought is that that you have that built in Britt Baker, Yuka Sakazaki story, but you are right that it's like, if you think about Joshi, it's kind of a leap to imagine Yuka beating Aja. Like if they were booked on a Tokyo Joshi Pro show, I would be, I would really not be sure of who was going to win that match. Sure. But it, it's something that I think makes sense here. And again, I think I brought this up uh, last week, but 
with the way that the quarantine works, I don't think Aja Kong's giving up a full month of dates just to work one match in America. So that was more the point I was making there with Aja Kong. Yeah. Depends what the check, how much the check is for. <laughs> hey, I, I mean, um, the Forbidden Door is open, and we've seen how how Tony Khan right now is living his best life. He might just write that check. True. He might just write that check. Hey, yeah, he's, he's paying out for uh, licensed music for entrances. Um, yeah, they. Uh, he's got to pay Aja Kong to lose somewhere along the line. So maybe yeah. maybe you pay Aja Kong to come to the states and lose. I did suggest, hey, uh, you know, Aja Kong's last you know, uh, top flight match, last blow-away match was against Hikaru Shida. So maybe they do want to go run that match back for a worldwide audience. I pretty skeptical, but you know, that's that you, you get into, you get into crunch time there in those last couple matches when you do have a couple routes you could go and it would make sense. Yes. I think, uh, I assume that we all have Brit winning and winning the, uh, yes. winning the tournament over Yuka got, Sakazaki. Got Brit beating Yuka Sakazaki and then Brit going on to dethrone Hikaru Shida and becoming the third, fourth, fourth AEW Women's Champion. Riho, Nyla, Shida. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I, I will say that there is a, a mythical, speaking of Aja Kong's last great match, there's a mythical Aja Kong versus Sari match that oh, uh, happened... Yeah. In Diana, but I don't think ever made take. I mean, that match <laughs> that does ring a bell. That match never happened. Sari is a deep seed. You know, I've had this theory for years. Sari is a deep WWE Triple H plant, and that never happened. That never happened. The Mayu Iwatani I've, match they wanted I've seen, never happened. Never. I've seen clips of it. I think it did happen. I, I mean, AI is pretty smart you. at this point, guys. <laughs> Trump Sari WWE. That's right. But you you were right, Nate, that uh, Aja Kong versus uh, Yuka Sakazaki, not only would it be a first-time match, the only time they've ever been in the ring together was that AEW six-woman tag. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. I, I mean, Ducky Josh Pro, you know, I, I imagine would be happy about that. Like, hey, yeah, we get Yuka gets to beat Aja. We don't have to pay for it. Uh, we can promote it and promote all our women for X number of weeks. That's, like, a pretty good deal for them, too. And then you could promote the rematch. Man. Still take it that That's way. Right. You got to make money, brother. I feel pretty. So the first round of the Japanese sides happening uh, Monday night, seven o'clock on YouTube. I feel pretty confident. I will uh, record some audio on it after it's over. So I expect that will happen. Uh, so that'll go up on the Patreon. Uh, but that's everything that's coming up soon in AEW. Anything else you guys want to hit before we get out of here? No, no, nothing else that I would like to hit. Okay. Uh, follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, yeah. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five star rating and review if you use the Apple Podcast app. And of course, go sign up at Patreon.com/slash Everything Elite. Uh, join the green team. That's it for Mike. For Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next time. Okay.